Hello, and welcome to the Local Food Rules podcast, presented by the Local Food Forum newsletter and soon-to-be website, the news source for people who want a healthy, more sustainable food system based on delicious, locally produced food in the Chicago region and beyond. Visit localfoodforum.substack.com to read articles and subscribe. So we're in uh, late May, and the outdoor farmers market season is now well underway. By the end of the week, about 40 markets will be open throughout the region, including seven new season openers. The markets in suburban Homewood, Huntley, and Park Ridge, plus the Dole Farmers Market in Crystal Lake, and in the city of Chicago, South Loop Farmers Market at Printer's Row, Maxwell Street Market, and Pilsen Community Market. And then the real onslaught begins the first week in June and runs through much of the month as dozens more markets around the region join in the fun. As for Watson season, it's been a fairly typical May, with asparagus, greens such as lettuce and kale, spring onions, early roots such as radishes and turnips, rhubarb, and hothouse heirloom tomatoes predominate. Ramps, the largely foraged wild onions that were the first plants to hit the market, have usually tapped out by now, but vendors still had them in pretty ample supply over the May 20th, 21st weekend. Visit localfoodforum.substack.com for articles featuring photographic proof of what's on those vendors' tables. Now what's next? Well, for us local food lovers, the watch for arrival of the often brief local strawberry season has begun. Now you won't be shocked that Local Food Forum has been making the market rounds. Here are some reflections on what's happening, starting with the wildly popular Logan Square Farmer's Market on Chicago's north side. If you are one of us who have been pleading with people for years to support local farmers, it only takes one visit to Chicago's Logan Square Farmer's Market, which I took on Sunday, May 21st, to recognize that the idea is really catching on. Like Green City Market in Lincoln Park, Logan Square Farmer's Market has been drawing record crowds since our society emerged from the dark days of the pandemic. And because the walkways between the rows of the tents are much narrower than on Green City's spacious footprint, you can get caught in some slow-moving human traffic jams. It brings to mind one of the quotes attributed to baseball great and malaprop master Yogi Berra. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Is the explosion of interest too much of a good thing? Well, if you have a very strong aversion to big crowds, this might not be the market for you. But it is surely great for the vendors, many of whom had long lines of shoppers waiting to be served. And if you're looking for a street festival vibe, it'll be very hard to beat the Logan Square market. Don't like crowds but still want to take advantage of the Logan Square bounty? Shop early. I got there around opening time at 9 a.m. on Sunday, May 21st, and uh, it was pretty easy to move around, but that changed quickly. It was especially gratifying to visit with Geneva Lakes Produce Farm in Burlington, Wisconsin, which was there with its table full of produce, some of it massively sized. Geneva Lakes is the farm that suffered a devastating fire in early April, just as the team was preparing for spring planting, which destroyed three buildings containing much of its equipment. Local Food Forum published their story on April 2nd with a link to their GoFundMe donations page. With community support, Geneva Lakes appears to be in right with the season, and the rebuilding efforts will benefit from your patronage, whether at farmers markets or through their CSA. The farming village of Eau Claire, Michigan, 
was well represented at Logan Square by peat farms, that's P-I-E-D-T, notable for its colorful profusion of hothouse tomatoes, and Los Rodriguez Farm, which is turning up in markets all around the area. I've seen Bennett Farms of Edwardsburg, Michigan, at a few local markets recently and have been anxious to check out their pasture-raised meats. My visit Sunday was clinched when I saw the sign at the right of their booth, Homegrown by Heroes. This is a marketing designation for farms owned by military veterans. One of the newer vendors at the market is Fook, F-O-O-K, Hing, H-I-N-G, Hot Chili Oil. That's right, Fook Hing Hot Chili Oil. Extra points for the creativity. My Logan Square Market Hall included tofu salads from Phoenix Bean Tofu, a pork steak, ground pork, and bacon from Bennett Farms, zucchini and tomatoes from Peat Farms, and kale, one of those giant heads of lettuce, and ramps, again, I was surprised to see them this late, from Geneva Lakes Produce. Sixty-first Street Farmers Market, which I visited on Saturday, May twentieth, is busy but not a human crush. Saturday was also a lovely day, and shoppers strolled under the bowers of trees and leisurely visited the tents and tables that wrap around the building that is home to Experimental Station, a nonprofit that runs the market. The Sixty-first Street Market is located at sixty-one hundred South Blackstone Street at the border of Hyde Park, a neighborhood that is home to University of Chicago. To the north and the mostly Black community of Woodlawn, in which the market is physically located. While the demographics of the attendees visually appeared to lean to the college crowd, there could be no doubt about the market's dedication to food access and equity. Along with the market, the experimental station runs Link Up Illinois, a program that helps finance LinkMatch, programs that enable many of our region's farmers markets to double the value of food assistance benefits for Link recipients. LINK is our state's version of the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, better known as SNAP. The 61st Street Market, unsurprisingly, accepts both LINK benefits and participates in the LINK Match Program. Thanks to the fact that my wife, Barb, accompanied me on this field trip, there are actually a couple of photos of me that are in the May 22nd issue of Local Food Forum. Go to localfoodforum.substack.com slash, especially if we've never met and you want to see what this old hippie-looking guy looks like. I struck my asparagus power pose at the stand of Mick Klug Farm. Mick Klug Farm is in St. Joseph, Michigan, one of the long-standing participants in the 61st Street Market. Then I was joined by good friend Kim Snyder of Faith's Farm in Bonfield, Illinois. For most of the past two decades, Kim was one of the region's first wave of pasture-raised livestock producers. She has scaled back in recent years and is currently seeking a buyer for her farm, even as she continues to produce a number of personal and household products made with all natural ingredients. The 61st Street market itself is definitely worth visiting, with the side benefit that you can segue to one of the area's outstanding restaurants. I had the honor of attending last year's James Beard Foundation Awards and watched as Eric Williams, chef-owner of Virtue Restaurant located in the busy 53rd Street commercial area at the north end of the UFC campus, win the award for Best Chef Great Lakes. Eric, a major figure in promoting both Southern and Black food heritage, also owns Daisy's Po'boy and Tavern, an Orleans-style eatery with a lively vibe that is at 5125 South Harper Avenue, just up the block from Virtue. We have long been fans of Cajun food, so we headed to Daisy's after our market swing. Barb enjoyed the oyster po'boy, 
while I scarfed down the exquisite catfish po' boy. We also shared a piece of their over-the-top, rich and flavorful banana pecan bourbon toffee cake. The staff was very friendly and welcoming. Our haul for this market outing included another slice of that cake, we really liked it, and a to-go order of seafood gumbo from Daisy's, green and purple asparagus and apples from McClube Farm, eggs from Faith Farm, green onions from Lane's End Farm, they are located in Lowell, Indiana, and Be Still My Heart, Bialis and a Potato Kanish from Zeitlin's Delicatessen in Chicago. Now, earlier this season, Local Food Forum wrote about the striking differences between two simultaneous Saturday markets located close to each other in Lincoln Park. At the East End is the flagship location of the bustling Green City Market, Chicago's premier destination farmer's market. A few blocks west, the Lincoln Park Farmer's Market has a more neighborhood feel, less crowded and more laid back. I found another example of this on Wednesday afternoon, May 17th, when I visited Chicago's Uptown Farmer's Market, then grabbed a Clark Street bus to travel the two miles to the Andersonville Farmer's Market. The Uptown Market, open 2.30 to 7.30 p.m. on Wednesdays, is a project of Chicago Market, a food co-op that will be located in the historic Gerber Building at Wilson and Broadway, adjacent to the Wilson Red Line L-Stop. I have been a shareholder in this developing co-op project for a number of years. The Uptown Market was launched in 2021 and spent its first two years in the Gerber Building parking lot, with long-awaited construction of the co-op getting underway for a targeted spring 2024 opening. The market was relocated not far away this year to Sunnyside Mall, a four-block pedestrian mall on Sunnyside Street between Magnolia and Beacon in the Sheridan Park community. Uptown Farmers Market 2.0, located in a pleasant residential neighborhood, is so much more amenable than the shadowed former location under the L tracks. As you walk down Sunnyside from Clark Street on the west, the street becomes permanently blocked off at Beacon with lovely lilac bushes marking the start of the mall. Rather than a streetscape of the huge metal pillars supporting the elevated train track, there is a canopy of trees with other plantings. Andersonville Farmer's Market, on the other hand, has a much more of an urban street fair vibe. Open from 3 to 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, it is in the midst of the busy Clark Street commercial strip on a short stretch of Catalpa Street between a jewel store's parking lot and a Walgreens. The street is closed off for the weekly market. This pop-up plaza has roughly two dozen vendors with tents closely spaced on either side of the street. The market was well attended, even though the produce stands are still in early season stage with only a handful of seasonal crops for sale. My Wednesday markets haul included poppy seed bagels and a rich chocolate cookie from R.A. Sourdough, Chicago, and four-year-old cheddar and mild Swiss from Stamper Cheese, Chicago, purchased at the Uptown Farmer's Market, and potatoes from Nichols Farm and Orchard, Marengo, Illinois, lettuce mix and baby kale from the Talking Farm, Skokie, Illinois, and cherry scones from Letizia's Natural Bakery, Chicago, from the Andersonville Market. So if you prefer an urban street scene and the option of segueing to dine or drink at one of the many local establishments, then Anderson Mill may be your preference for a Wednesday end of workday sojourn. If you want a more laid back and personal experience in a lovely neighborhood setting, then head to Uptown Farmer's Market or spend a couple of hours and do both. On May 2nd, I paid a visit to the opening day of a brand new farmer's market, the Farmer at the Green located at the BMO Tower at 320 South Canal Street in Chicago's West Loop neighborhood. 
It was a gray and chilly day with few visitors. But special features of this market, from its end-of-workday location in a busy part of the city, to options to dine, Canal Street Eatery and Market, and drink, after bar, right inside the BMO building, right down to the foosball and ping-pong tables, prompted me to envision this as a summer hotspot. As we wrote in the May 2nd uh, newsletter, it's easy to see the market's potential as a warm-weather gathering spot, with the market the park-like setting, musicians scheduled to perform live, the restaurant and bar patios beckoning people to linger, and a commuter-friendly location so near Union Station and Ogilvy Transportation Center, not to mention those foosball and ping-pong tables, I'll venture a prediction that the farmer at the green will emerge as a lively scene. So Barb and I paid a visit on Tuesday, May 16th, and that prediction turned out to be right and much earlier than I expected. With much more spring-like temperatures as an inducement, a park full of people showed up to shop, eat, and lounge. The restaurant and bar had their patio tables out, a live band entertained, and Jenga and cornhole games have been added to the game lineup. It's kind of like a combination farmer's market and the best college bar ever. What it isn't, at least yet, is a market with tons of fresh local produce, so far at least. But there sure is a lot to eat, not even including the restaurant with Mexican, Polish, and plant-based empanada stands, excellent baked goods, and sweet treats. I'm sure I'll be back the farmer on the green often to pick up a few things and unwind at the end of a busy Tuesday. Am I what I was before or what I became? I got a box full of worries and a case of regrets. Now let's talk a little bit about people who are doing well by doing good in the local food space. Fair Trade Chicago has worked hard since 2006 to increase support for economic and environmental justice through consumer education, advocacy, and promotion of local fair trade businesses with its principles of environmental sustainability, ethical production methods, fair wages, and safe working conditions. And now everyone can connect directly with the organization at its new Fair Trade Museum, a beautiful space located in the New City Complex at 1457 North Halstead Street, just a couple of blocks south of North Avenue. Chicago Fair Trade featured the museum as host of its Fair Trade Fest, part of World Fair Trade Day on Saturday, May 13th. There were hours of interesting and fun programming, though I specifically attended to watch my friend David Toledo share his expertise on the ease of growing microgreens and lettuces indoors. David founded his company, Contemporary Farmer Inc., in 2019 with the goal of connecting urban, rural, and suburban farming initiatives and fostering intergenerational education around regenerative agriculture. A big part of that mission is teaching people how to grow their own food, mobilizing homegrowners to, quote, develop edible spaces that redefine our relationships with local food systems. David walked the attendees through the indoor growing process, noting that it requires only five elements, grow lights, organic soil, organic seeds, water, and time. At the completion of his presentation, he invited audience members to come up and trim several trays of greens to create a salad for everyone to share. I made the vinaigrette at David's request. The session completed with David providing jars of organic soil in either seeds or starter plants for participants to create their own mini gardens. Visit the Contemporary Farmer website to purchase grow lights, seeds, and nutrients, and learn about upcoming events. 
Also, the organization is finalizing a 40-page manual titled Regenerative Growth Guide 1.0, which will be published soon, and Local Food Forum will share the word. Also, do make a point of visiting the Fair Trade Museum, which has informative exhibits and a store selling beautiful jewelry and accessories, bags and baskets, clothing, children's clothes, adorable toys, and of course, food items, all fair trade, of course. Local Food Forum has published numerous stories about the Evolve Network, a visionary Chicago nonprofit whose mission I strongly support. The organization, launched in 2021 by Sebastian White, a clinical psychologist turned chef, works to help underprivileged youths through food education and training. Sebastian is currently providing food and cooking lessons in several Chicago schools while he raises money to achieve the Evolve Network's ultimate goals, to build out a restaurant and urban food garden, to provide students with restaurant farming and business training while providing therapeutic services for those who need them. One of his main fundraising tools is a series of unfailingly delicious dinners hosted in restaurants owned by chefs who rank among our region's best. The latest was held Wednesday, May 10th at Luella's Southern Kitchen, the Lincoln Square restaurant that has earned chef owner Darnell Reed a reputation as one of our city's brightest culinary lights. Since we've written about the Evolve Network's mission in some detail, I'll urge you to visit their website and to learn more about their organization and consider making a donation or volunteering. Now let's talk about the delights on that dinner menu. The first course was prawn on Texas toast with Swiss chard, green onion, and bacon soubise, a dish designed by Sebastian. Sebastian also created the second course, Dirty Rice Arancini, a breaded and fried rice ball with crawfish, mushroom, and piri-piri sauce. Next up was Darnell with one of the most spectacular presentations of fried chicken ever, served with a very large dumpling, smoked gravy, and garlic spinach. Sebastian and Darnell collaborated on the next dish, grits topped with lobster and andouille albondingas, that's meatballs, with coconut salsa verde and red sorrel. The evening meal concluded with a lovely indulgence, Darnell's strawberry shortcake with buttermilk biscuit, strawberry compote, chantilly cream, and house-made vanilla ice cream. I overheard there is another Evolve Network dinner being planned for June. You should try to catch at least one of these feasts, as the Evolve Network dinner series is evolving into one of the epic events in Chicago's culinary community. Link Up Illinois, a program run by Chicago nonprofit Experimental Station, they also run that 61st Street Farmer's Market. Works with retailers, farmer's markets, and participating grocery stores, corner stores, and co-ops to enable them to double the food assistance benefits provided under the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, known as LINK, in Illinois. Experimental Station shared its 2022 Increasing Food Access Report with Local Food Forum, and one statistic jumped off the page. Purchases of fresh fruit and vegetables, the LINK match, at Link Up Illinois locations totaled $1,002,358 in 2022, more than double the total of $469,403 in 2021. According to the report, quote, with increased federal funding, a three-year healthy local food system pilot undertaken in partnership with the Illinois Department of Human Services and partnerships with the Chicago Department of Public Health and Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, which runs the Chicago City Markets. Link Up Illinois has been able to expand Link Match to more Illinois farmers markets and grocery retail and to increase benefits to our Link customers. 
Of that million dollar total, two thirds was spent at farmers markets, farm stands, CSAs, and food delivery services, but the rest spent at grocers, corner stores, and co-ops. This split underscores the vital strategic partnership with the Illinois Farmers Market Association, which provides statewide outreach and statewide policy advocacy. Experimental Station also cites Midwest Independent Retailers Association and CBS Community Partnership Division for providing key technical assistance and promotional support. The organization provides support to link beneficiaries close to home at the 61st Street Farmers Market. If you're interested in obtaining the report, email me at bob at localfoodforum.org and I'll share it. The URL is a little bit long. And now for a little local food rules in the kitchen. Much belated Mother's Day wishes all those who celebrated their mothers. This occasion hasn't been part of life for Barb and me for many years as our moms passed away long ago and we don't have children of our own. True that Sunday, May 14th was my half birthday, but that's less a reason to celebrate than to fret about how fast time is rushing by. Still no reason for us not to enjoy a good Sunday dinner, which was composed of a rack of regeneratively produced St. Louis ribs delivered in my most recent order for 99 counties. I want to take an opportunity to praise the Breville multi-purpose convection oven I purchased last summer and use virtually every day. These ribs, cooked in the oven, which sits on my countertop, were every bit as delicious as if they'd been made in an outdoor grill. Easily one of the best purchases I've made. So what exactly are St. Louis-style ribs? According to the Masterclass website, this cut has more meat than baby back ribs and more fat, which enhances their flavor. Says the Tender Belly site, St. Louis-style ribs are flatter than baby back ribs, which makes them easier to brown. There is a lot of bone, but also a higher amount of fat, making them very flavorful. I can't argue with any of that. The preparation was simple. I used a homemade dry rub of kosher salt, black pepper, onion powder, garlic powder, ancho chili powder, cumin, coriander, and smoked paprika. This two-pound rack cooked for an hour at 375 degrees. During the last five minutes on each side, I applied barbecue sauce from Old Arthur's, a Black-owned brand based in Evanston, Illinois, that has a family BBQ history dating to the mid-19th century. They came out beautifully with crunch on the outside and moist meat inside. I sure do love to cook. I like to think that my mother, a prolific cook, who instilled the love of and respect for food in me, would be proud. Finally for this week, I want to give a shout out to Ben Herrera, the producer of Local Food Rules. As I mentioned in episode one, Ben is launching his own local food business. It's called Guardbone, and it's a cottage food business, meaning he operates it out of his home. That is a new wrinkle on the Community Supported Agriculture, or CSA, concept. Ben describes Guardmo as a CSA club that aims to add a major element of convenience for its local food-loving subscribers. He's partnering with the CSA run by Nichols Farm and Orchard, the region's biggest diversified produce farm located in Marengo, Illinois. Ben is providing the extra step of taking Nichols produce and cleaning, prepping, and packing it for pickup or delivery to Gardmo CSA customers. Here is how Gardmo presents the concept. Join the CSA club. Gardmo is a cottage food kitchen with the mission of making eating local food easier, and we couldn't be more excited to introduce the pilot program of our CSA club. This season, we will be following along with the Nichols Farm CSA. By joining the CSA club, you will get all of the same produce from Nichols 
but cleaned, prepped, and packed by Gardmo, sort of like a prep cook would in a kitchen. This way, all the veggies are ready for you to cook with as soon as you get home. Chairs are every other week with free pickup available or delivery for select Chicago zip codes. Check out Gardmo at Gardmo.com and follow their Instagram at Gard.mo. That's it for the second episode of Local Food Rules by Local Food Forum. Please visit localfoodforum.substack.com slash to check out the newsletter and you'll find lots of other interesting things going on in our local food ecosystem. And please consider subscribing. There are free and paid subscriptions. Thanks again to Ben Herrera for producing this podcast and to Gary Calamar, a lifetime friend and true musical genius for sharing his tune for our theme music. Now get out there, buy some delicious, nutritious, sustainable, and humanely produced food and help our local farmers make a living.